Welcome to Our Law, Our Take, a podcast brought to you by the Arkansas Trial Lawyers Association, where we break down issues from the courts to the General Assembly that matter to you, whether you realize it or not. I'm Katie Clifford. And I'm Stephanie Malone. Let's get started. So this is a two-part episode in which we sit down and talk with Josh Gillespie of Green and Gillespie. Uh, The reason this is a two-part episode is this involves a child sex abuse case that he took on um, that actually resulted in a law being changed here in Arkansas in the legislative session of 2021. So with that, uh, there's a lot of information and, and a lot of backstory to the case, so we felt it best to break it down. Let's go ahead and dive into it with Josh. Good morning. Good morning, Josh. Good morning. How are you doing? I'm great. Good, good, good. Well, thanks for joining us today for Our Law, Our Take, a trial lawyer's perspective on Arkansas law and current events. We really appreciate you taking the time to be with us. You bet. Happy to be here. Yes. So why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself and also give us a little background on yourself and your involvement with ATLA. Okay. Uh, My name is Josh Gillespie. Um, I am a trial lawyer here in central Arkansas. Uh, with a law firm of Green and Gillespie, and I've been a member of ATLA for probably eight years, somewhere around there, and I've been on the Board of Governors for, I think this is my third year, Um, and uh, it's been a uh, a great boon for my practice, being part of ATLA. We enjoy having you. We appreciate you. You're, you're one of our active members, so we appreciate you. So we have you on today to discuss um, a law that you helped get passed this last session. It was Act, it's now Act 1036. Mm-hmm. So will you go ahead and give everybody that's listening a background on the law, kind of how you came to be it. It's a great story. It's a great, great story. So if you'll go ahead and kind of let everybody know how sure. you became aware. Sure. So um, the... Justice for Vulnerable Victims of Sexual Abuse Act, um, <clears throat> as, it, as it is titled. Well, I guess I'll start by explaining what it does. Yes, yeah. Um, it changes the statute of limitations for civil cases involving um, child sex abuse victims. So, uh, whereas 21 was um, generally the, the, the cutoff point, the statute of limitations. Uh, 21 years? 21 years. years, yeah. Three years after reaching the age of majority. That's, that was okay. the statute of limitations before this law for, <clears throat> for someone who was abused as a child. Um, what this law does is it raises that to uh, 55, age 55 permanently, and it creates a two-year um, revival window sometimes referred to as a look-back window. And uh, during that two-year period, which begins in January of 2022, anybody of any age, uh, whether they be 23 or 93, um, can uh, bring timely suit um, if, if they choose to, uh, even if their case had previously been, previously been dismissed by a judge for... Um, 
for anything other than, than on the merits. So um, it's a big deal for Arkansas. It's a big deal for um, um, the victims here in Arkansas to, to have this law. It, there's only a few states in the country with, with, with laws that um, are similar to this. I was going to ask if there are any other states that have it set like this or if it's mm -hmm. original or, you know, unique to Arkansas now. Well, we were the first state in the South, for sure, to, to do anything like this. Uh, Louisiana actually uh, followed suit um, shortly after us. I can't recall the exact details of what theirs does, but um, a similar type of law. Uh, most famously, California and New York did this, uh, I think, roughly three, two, three years ago. Uh, New Jersey has done this, Vermont, Hawaii, uh, and a couple others. So it's starting to kind of become yeah. a, a nationwide trend, but we're actually yeah. on the cusp. We're, 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 yeah. we're, we're, we're the front. Yeah, the we forefront are. of it, yeah. which is great for we us. <laughs> and it's, it's, we're on the, we're, if you want to use the word cutting edge, it's the cutting edge of, the science, what the the experts, the true experts in this field, well, I'm not an expert in child sexual abuse, I'm a, a lawyer who has to know about right. it, a lot right. about it to, to tell my clients, but the the scientists, the psychologists, the the, the, the academics who study this, the researchers who, who uh, work with victims and, and study the trends um, are all, it's pretty much universally accepted that um, most survivors of, of childhood sexual abuse, particularly men, are never going to come forward until, or not going to come forward until much later. So the psychology of <laughs> yeah. it is, is that most, more specifically men, mm -hmm. typically don't address this issue until later in life. And right. by then it's, the, the yeah. Yeah, right, yes. Uh, you know, early 50s is what, is what is the number that you'll, you'll often see wow. as, as cited as the average age for a male um, sex abuse victim to, to come forward, tell anybody, tell their wives, tell their uh, their therapist. Um, it's something that most men have to work towards. They bury, have to, yeah, bury it deep down. Well, they bury it deep down, but they have to reach a certain place in their life, and that takes time. Um, it takes time to come to terms with it enough that, you, that they can come forward with it because the problem is inherent to this type of victimization is um, misplaced guilt on the part of the victim. So most victims are uh, abused by, well, there's more abuse in the, uh, sadly, um, there's more sexual abuse occurs in the home than outside of the home. Mm. And that's kind of always been the case. Um, but next to that, it's the, the um, what you'll hear referred to as a groomer, uh, the grooming type of offender right. mm -hmm. um, who uses grooming methods, which are, um, which, which cause the victim to feel connected in a way to, to the perpetrator. Um, the, the perpetrator will um, 
provide, you know, they'll, they'll choose a child that they feel like maybe is, you know, maybe has, maybe the dad isn't home. Maybe there's something missing from that child's life and they recognize that. They recognize that vulnerability. They recognize yeah. that, okay, um, this is a, this is a, a, a child who needs a role that this perpetrator can then fill, whether it just be somebody to talk to, attention, gifts, money, um, but they build a bond. They build a bond. So that by the time the perpetrator takes it to the next level, the the, the molestation, sexual abuse level, mm -hmm. um, the child oftentimes feels complicit in it. That's so. That's one hurdle. If that, does that make sense? Yes. Yeah. It's just such a predator. And, and as you're describing it in, in my mind, I'm like, it's just so predatory. It just makes yeah. me just your stomach turn because you're like, they're just, they, they're absolutely are zoning in and seeing yeah. where there's a need and taking yeah. advantage of it in a small child. Yeah. Predator is a great, I mean, it's a, it's what we call them, but it's a perfect word for it. It's how I've come to think of them as, as predators. Mm -hmm. and, and they, they hone their craft as they age. Um, they get better at it. They get better right. at picking which child they can, they can abuse, which child is least likely to tell somebody, um, they, they refine their methods Yeah, and to, and they don't stop. Um, uh, the vast majority of them are going to stop until they're arrested or, or die. Um, I've seen studies that suggest that the average, um, um, the, the average, um, pedophile will have a, around 150 victims. It's mm. a lifetime. Terrifying. It is terrifying. That number is huge. Yeah. And so what this law does is it it just recognizes the the science. It recognizes the, the psychiatry behind it, the psychology of the victim, and, and it just accounts for that in a way that's fair. It's kind of, I you know, and, until this was brought up, I didn't even realize the expiration date was... 21 mm -hmm. because you're, you're right i mean you think about it it's like it takes a while to process that and certainly i would think for men it's even longer to process yeah. because there's the pride issue and all that it just seems so yeah. such a short time frame and i'm not sure i guess 21 was just a number that was picked a long time ago for lots of different reasons well yeah three years after reaching the age of majority and <clears throat> so that law was just a, that's just the the statute limitations for um, any kind of tort suffered by a child. Um, so any kind of negligence claim or, or really any claim. So how did you, how did the idea come to change that law? Did you, can you, can you explain to us? Cause I have to say too, part of this is what's exciting about this case mm -hmm. and this law is that it's nice for somebody that's listening to say, okay, he had an issue, he had a problem, and and, and decided to change the law. And, and if you'll mm -hmm. talk about kind of going through those steps as well, so people understand well, how it can be done. Sure, um, it it wasn't you know it wasn't just me, but I'll, I'll tell you how I came to. Yeah. I, I, I came well, yeah, how I came to decide this is something that I, I wanted to try to do. Mm -hmm. uh, I had a case that got dismissed on on statute of limitations. Um, and it was a, a Boy Scouts case, and I, I, I decided after that that 
you know, this isn't right. Um, if, if, if there's a way to get justice for these guys, I want to do it. Right. And, uh, so I, uh, you know, I, I had a, you know, a goal in mind of, of getting this done and had, had written some drafts, um, and, and passed them around, but it was really not until Bob Edwards got involved that, um, that it, that it became a, a possibility and, and it was really Bob and Bob's, uh, involvement. Bob called me up one day, um, and had already had decided on his own that he wanted to do this, mm-hmm. uh, as well and, and heard that it was something that I had looked into, I, I think. And, and so we just started working together, but. And we should say that Bob is our one of yeah. our paid lobbyists here um, at Atla, and he works up at the legislature. So it's yeah. always well. I mean, it it is helpful to have someone that knows the system as mm-hmm. well. And, but, but even as a as a citizen, you can still work to get yeah. stuff done. Right. Yeah. Uh, but the truth is, you know, Bob Bob Edwards um, deserves as much credit for this as anyone. Um, you know, he he found the sponsors and he had a game plan and I just went, I just went along for the ride, um, helped, helped, um, with editing the, the bill and drafts of the bill. And, you know, um, I, I had a a client of mine, in fact, it was the same client whose case was dismissed, um, in, in 2018, who's gotten really good at telling his story. He was a, he's a survivor of Boy Scouts abuse. Um, I was going to say, I watched the committee hearing and yeah. it has to be committed because it's not easy. Mm-mm. And certainly for an, an older male, I would think, or a man to come up and tell that story. And it was no. a very compelling mm-hmm. testimony. And, um, I've been in, up at the Capitol for many, many years and have seen a lot of testimonies uh, before committees. And that's one of the more powerful ones that I've seen. And he did a great job. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And like I said, that's not an easy thing no. to do. Uh, and he he's awesome yeah he's just really good i'd like to take credit for for that but um but that's 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 all him but without Um, that experience in that case and in the courtroom mm -hmm. that that you and that client went through together we might not be here today with this law uh yeah maybe not yeah maybe not he i think that william stevens is his name by the way um he you know, he's, he's done a lot of, he's been on the news with me a lot, telling, telling this story and, and ad, trying to advocate. And he's just, uh, he's an excellent representative for, for other victims here in Arkansas. And he just knocked it out of the park, um, you know, telling, telling his story and, and then getting the part about how, um, uh, the heartbreak of having his case dismissed he was there in the courtroom for the hearing, um, and he was just, you know, so much emotion all yeah. the way around. I mean, yeah. you're, you're having to confront something from from your childhood that was very, very traumatic, yeah. and then you're you're older in life now, and you're just walking back through all of those emotions again. I'm sure with him, it was like totally just totally reliving it, refeeling it, and then absolutely, know, absolutely deserves justice. Yeah, he was, as we said earlier, like preyed upon by a predator coming forward, which he did when we filed the lawsuit. We filed this lawsuit in, uh, I believe, 2017. Coming forward was, he'll tell you, one of the, you know, maybe the hardest thing he's ever had to do. Um, 
telling his story publicly, putting his name out there, um, sitting through a press conference with me. Uh, <clears throat> and he'll also tell you it was it was it, it was rewarding, um, I think. But it was so terribly hard and the defendants was so terribly wrong and liable. Um, Williams, Williams abuser was a scout leader um, named Sam Oz. He's dead. He'd been caught abusing another boy in I was, Georgia. I read, I was going to yeah. ask you to talk about that because I read yeah. he was, and he'd been caught there and then came here. Yeah. yeah. kind of just moved along. Yeah. He, he worked for the Salvation Army. Um, well, let me back up. He was a scout leader and worked at a, at a college in Georgia called Mount Berry College in Mount Berry, Georgia. And he was a scout leader there. Um, and he abused multiple boys there, one of, one of whom is a, a client of mine um, who's still in Georgia now. But um, he was caught abusing a boy. This would have been about 1977. He was caught. He confessed. They, put in, they, they created what's called a... a uh, an IV file, an ineligible volunteer file, also known as a perversion file. That was the Boy Scouts' own term for it. Oh and they created a file on him. And this file was um, presumably sent around to, um, well, it, they had to file. I, I, I won't speak to, to, to who else got a copy of it, but um, they knew the organization knew he was he was dangerous, and um, nevertheless, he was allowed by the Boy Scouts to come to Arkansas and join up as a troop leader with the um, what was then called the Washita Area Council. It's now part of the Quapaw Area Council, based here in Little Rock. And he worked for the Salvation Army, and the Salvation Army was the sponsoring organization of the troop. So. Um, yeah, we think there's absolutely no way that the local council and the, and the sponsoring organization weren't aware of, of exactly what this guy was. And so they knowingly did this. And, and, and you know, here we are now with 50 years later. Well, no, I'm sorry, 40 years later is when this abuse happened. Uh, 40 years ago is when, roughly when this abuse happened, uh, 79 to 81, roughly. Um, and, and here we are 40 years later, and um, I'm representing all of these, these men who, whose lives were um, ruined or partly ruined um, by what happened to them. Yeah. yeah. It's so infuriating to sit here and know that, it, you know, they were fully aware mm -hmm. of what was going on. And we're just like, we're just going to move you to a different state and you're, here's a whole new truth. Yeah. And so you say you're representing there obviously so he, he didn't just leave it to one child he was it was several several victims he was a serial oh yeah um molester i guess is that i i think i i represent currently i think i'm representing i think i have seven of his victims from two different states yeah. um i know of 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 others there's others that are have since died um yeah he was prolific so you mentioned you have him from other states do they are they allowed to since he was he did he are they allowed to sue in arkansas since or does, 
Georgia doesn't have that law? Um, well, I actually just have the one odds victim from another state, and okay. and uh, he would have to sue in 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 Georgia. In Georgia. And Georgia does not have uh, this kind of 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 um, um, reform statute limitations currently. Okay. So it would be a much more difficult um, task. Sure. Yeah. And and you know, Boy Scouts is a little, it's a little bit of a, maybe not the best example to use because those are all tied up in the the bankruptcy. It's, well, there's a I bankruptcy was going to ask yeah. you. I printed that. I was I was I was telling her I saw. I guess it was a news story like a couple weeks mm -hmm. ago. I saw I saw that there was a right. bankruptcy claim. And yeah. A, a settlement had been proposed. Proposed, and I, I think y'all had. Right. Yeah. Well, it hasn't been rejected oh, yet. Okay. All the victims are have to vote by December 14th, I believe. Okay. So we're talking, nobody knew the, that 82,000 victims were going to come forward and, and bring crazy. claims. 82,000. It's heartbreaking. I mean, we knew, you know, when I say we, I mean attorneys like myself around the country that, that do this. We knew it was going to be a lot. Mm -hmm. Tens of thousands, but I, I, nobody... Right. Yeah. And Boy Scouts has been around for a little over 100 years. So, I mean, these are the ones that are alive and decided to come forward. Right. That's not counting those that can't confront or come right. forward and the ones that have passed away, maybe from, yeah. from, like, or an, from the event. Or yeah. sitting in nursing homes right now right. or passed away or just, just didn't want to deal with right. it. So it's a, it's a shocking number, a shocking number. And apparently there's about 900 of those are from Arkansas. Oh, wow. Right. I know. Yeah. Not all my clients. In fact, most of them are not my clients. Um, they're, they're represented by um, a coalition of mass tort firms, national mass tort firms that got together and um, signed up the, a lot of these, these clients, which is a, a story for another day, probably. Um, such a large number because we're not a, a large no. state, so that's right. kind of so, stack, so it kind of makes that, you go like, oh. "That's the math I'm doing in my head." Is if it's 80, and you divide that by fifty states, mm -hmm. I mean, or you can divide it by population. That that number coming from Arkansas seems large. Yeah, yeah, um, and and I think that the the majority there's more claims against the quapa involving quapa area council troops than than any other council in arkansas i think there's four councils in arkansas okay. mm. maybe five i think four quapa area is by far the largest though and there's over 300 claims against just the quapa area council and most of my clients are quapa area council kids or work kids they're most of them are uh, my age or older It is. It is. And their stories are just so, some of them are so shockingly similar to. Um, and that's the frustrating part, right? Because yeah. Again, it's like, you, like you said earlier, they prey on and they mm. find a, it's just, yeah. You know, you, 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 you see, you hear kind of the same, um, uh, not to say that, that, that their stories are the same, you know, that's, sounds a little reductive there 
unique and their right, you know, right, their right. pains and suffering are are unique and right. um i have uh, i don't i have such a I have a, a small enough group of them that you know, I've gotten to know uh, almost all of them um, pretty well. And um, but the behaviors of the other person in the story, the behaviors of the, the yeah. in the story probably start to sound similar. Yeah. Over and over. Yeah. You have these, uh, I always call them grooming offenders. The, the, the term that the department of justice uses is preferential uh, child molester. Um, so preferential? preferential, there's preferential and situational. Oh, okay. They were showing preference <clears throat> to a specific child. Preferential basically, uh, basically means what you think of when you think of pedophile, mm-hmm. although pedophile is a, I, I try not to use, overuse that word because it's not as broad of a term as, as it's, it's used in a, it's not as broad as the way it's often used. Okay. Pedophile basically means um, an offender who is fixated um, on younger children. So think pre-adolescence mm. children. Okay. Whereas um, a lot of my victims were early teens when they were victims. Not all, some were younger, some were, but I would say more were early teens when they were abused. And, and the term for that kind of offender is technically a hebophile. Um, but the preferential part just means that that's their sexuality. They are, they don't have, most likely aren't going to have a wife and kids. Um, they're not going to be capable of, you know, even faking that type of, of normal, traditional um, sexual relationship. Um, they're only interested in, in children. Whereas a situ- you have situational sex offenders who, um, for whatever reason, will take advantage of a certain situation, like a child spending the night at their house. And, you know, they may only offend once in their lifetime or a handful of times in their lifetime. And they may have, you know, a wife. Um, So that's kind of the difference. Okay. Okay. I didn't realize that there were, but okay. But in, in Boy Scouts, though, these offenders were, were this largely this preferential type they became boy scout troop leaders for this reason yeah because of the access yeah right and and it's a problem that the scouts knew about as early as the 1930s that's when they started that's when they started keeping these these files they learned within the scouts i think the scouts um began in the around 1915 1916 somewhere in there somewhere around there and but you know pretty early on within 20 years they they knew at the highest levels that that the child molesters were infiltrating their ranks in large numbers um and still it just it's still went on yeah and they never ever turned these guys into the police i don't know of a single time that anybody ever contacted uh, civil authorities. Not a single one. I, at least, I, I'm sure it's happened, but yeah. of all the cases I've been involved, known. right, right. Um, I've been, in, you know, I, I'm involved in about 30 of them and I've never seen it. Has there been any reason or explanation as to why, or is just a, co- a massive cover up? 
meetings, just basically to cover up and keep the name of the Boy Scouts clean. That, yeah. you know, that um, they didn't want scandal. Right. Similar to, to how the, the, the Catholic Church operated in the second half of the 20th century. Yeah. Um, they didn't necessarily, you know, they didn't necessarily want these kids to be abused, but they weren't willing to to uh, take their lumps yeah. to fix it. Yeah. What would you say the biggest challenge has been, um, A, with the law, mm-hmm. and then kind of if there are any other big, bigger challenges that have stuck up to you? As far as, as far as, as, what do you mean? Well, were there, were there, was there any, any of the pushback on the, when you initially went to change the oh. statute of limitations or, yeah. you know, was there a, a big challenge? You know, and this again, credit to, to Bob Edwards for, for, um, how how he got it done but not there was not um any heavy pushback there just there wasn't i don't i can't explain it um i'm not a lobbyist um i i do think that at the time it was being uh heard in the committees there were some controversial things going on in in other parts of the capitol i think the um the uh LGBTQ uh, bathroom laws or whatever those were, were, were going on and taking up um, a lot of oxygen in the room. Yeah. yeah. Um, so if there, if there were, I think that, that the groups that maybe would have strongly opposed it, um, I don't know. I, it just, it didn't get a lot of attention, which was a good thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What's been your biggest takeaway? My biggest takeaway is that <laughs> sounds corny, but kind of an anything is possible um, mindset. I I'm a I'm a little bit cynical by nature. Um, I always have been, and uh, you know, just the idea of hey, this law this law sucks. Um, this is bad for my clients. Wish we could get this law changed, and then. And it, and it did. And then you did. Absolutely. Yeah. And then, yes. you know, yeah. I mean, it seems, it seems a little, um, fantastical. Um, but I think it's a great example that we can, that, we, yeah. that people can see that, you know, there was a problem yeah. and this is the step that we, we, we identified it and we worked with mm-hmm. legislators and we passed a law to get justice and, it, and help. And it takes we, a change agent yeah. to figure out that there's a problem and it's gotta be fixed. Yes, exactly. And uh, the legislators were, by and large, just very uh, receptive to it. Some of them came up to William after uh, his his uh, House Judiciary Committee hearing, hugging him in tears. I remember yes, one yeah. one rep. Um, and so I think I think that there's there's hardly a person that doesn't know someone or have some you know, some strong feeling about this issue and it's just an easy issue to get behind. It's Mm -hmm. completely nonpartisan. It's, you know, how do you not do right by, by these guys guys. and, and women and women, I, I, you know, for whatever reason, the majority of my clients have been men, but, um, I've also represented, represented women and, um, 
obviously this law is equally for them. Right. So I'm thinking about clients who, you know, who finally get to the point where they can come forward and finally talk about this and, mm -hmm. and deal with everything that comes along with this and, and then go to court. Mm -hmm. You're talking about William, go to court and then be told, nope, you're too late. Sorry, yeah. we can't oh. do anything for you. And that the next oh. level of devastation that that brings. It was terrible. Yeah. And then now we're in a situation where that just changed. Right. So what are the feelings right now? Well, it was neat to go through that roller coaster ride with him. So William and I were together at the lowest moment. You know, we're both almost in tears. He might have been. I, I can't remember. Uh, we were, um, you know, I remember standing in the hallway of the, the courtroom um, outside of uh, Second Division here in Plassey County, where after our case had just been uh, dismissed on statute of limitations grounds. And we thought we, we thought we could overcome it. We had a fraudulent concealment argument and we had a case that we thought was directly on point. And so we thought we were, we thought we were okay at that stage. So we were, um, we were surprised and devastated and we were at that really low moment, both of us. So we got to, well, we had to experience that moment together, but then we, William and I got to experience the elation of, of, getting this law passed together as well. So that was neat. Um, now, you know, our case is still ongoing. Right. Um, nobody's won any case but yet. A, yeah. Hope that wasn't there. Yeah. Time. Right. Right. And, and so that was cool, but I'll tell you what it's done. It's already done some significant good for the Arkansas Boy Scouts victims. And here's why the, whatever the whatever settlement ends up happening in in the bankruptcy um they're going to have to whether whether the the whole pie is the 1.8 billion dollars currently being floated which hopefully gets rejected because it's just woefully inadequate um or whether it's twice that or three times that arkansas victims are gonna be compensated at the highest end of the spectrum they've created everybody's pretty much agreed that unfortunately victims from states that don't have these kinds of laws just aren't going to receive as much compensation um and it's tiered there's some states where they call them completely closed meaning there's just no access to the courtroom for for stale claims and then there's some states where it's a little gray and they've actually designated um three levels of gray gray area a gray two, a gray three state, gray two state, gray one state. Um, and I think gray one means that there's doesn't have a, an, it's not open like Arkansas. Arkansas is considered an open state. Oh, okay. Uh, <clears throat> so what that means, dollars and cents wise, is that an Arkansas victim who was um, forced to suffer a specific kind of sexual act is going to be compensated in, a, in a, a, a much larger amount than the than a man who was victimized in the same way in um, Alabama or um, Oklahoma or uh, Texas, you know. So, and correct me if I'm stating this wrong. So, I know they haven't all had their day in court yet, mm -hmm. but what I hear is that they still may feel a sense that their state has taking care of at least doing something for them. Yeah. Yeah. They've hurt them and they're doing something yeah. that may benefit them. There's all, yeah, exactly. We're already seeing 
results, a yeah. positive results. Now, it's still a, a like I said, a woefully inadequate amount. Um, still a long way to go. Right. I'll give you an example. Um, under the current uh, proposed agreement, um, they also break it down by by sexual act, and I'll try to keep this as um, family friendly as possible. But they've designated a penetration claim is is worth the most, and then an oral rape claim, a forced masturbation claim, molestation under the clothes claim and then molestation over the clothes claim. Even right now under the plan that's being proposed, let's say a, a, a penetration victim here in Arkansas on average is going to get something like $57,000 before attorney's fees, which is crazy. That's mm -hmm. that uh, now that we have this new law here, particularly that's a claim um, that's, that's worth um, probably in the low millions, um, even here in Arkansas. If 1.8 billion was all the money that was available, that would be one thing, mm -hmm. but it's not. And where it's really troubling is they're wanting to, they're wanting all of the victims to agree to release, not just Boy Scouts National, but release all the local councils and all the chartering organizations, um, despite the fact that those local councils and chartering organizations aren't contributing very much at all to the pie. The chartering organizations largely are contributing nothing. And then the local councils are contributing only under this plan only. And I, I call it a, it's called a restructuring plan, but you can think of it as a settlement offer. Mm -hmm. uh, but the local councils are contributing pennies on the dollar. For instance, the Quapa area council based here in Little Rock has about almost $13 million in unrestricted assets. Um, yet under this plan, they're only required to contribute about four and a half million of that. Um, and nobody's getting, and, that, and that's kind of par for the course around the country. They got 300 claims against them. Wow. They got 300 claims against them that are all now timely and all worth hundreds of thousands of dollars, probably at a minimum. And they're getting off the hook with $4.5 million yeah. when they have almost 13 in unrestricted assets. Apparently, and I'm no bankruptcy expert, what I'm told is that in these chapter 11 bankruptcies, the unrestricted assets, you're typically not fighting about the unrestricted assets. It'd be the restricted assets you might even be, you might be fighting about, but it's unusual and uh, we don't think it's fair. Not, at all, yeah. not when they have the money. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. They need enough to keep the lights on and the doors open and, and keep operating. But and uh, in, in, in under a chapter 11 bankruptcy, uh, the organization is, is required to it's for nonprofits. Anyways, the organization is required to it's typically required for the organization to be able to survive yeah. on in some form. But Nobody's explaining to us why the Co-op Area Council gets to keep eight million dollars. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know? Yeah, that's my client's money. Yeah, that's exactly. how I view it. Absolutely. Stay tuned. Part two will be dropping soon. Thanks so much for listening to Our Law, Our Take. We hope you had a great time. 
Don't forget to hit subscribe so that you'll be the first to hear all of our new episodes. We'll see you soon. Bye.